Turkey Perspectives. Are you tired of working nine to five? Tired of making money for someone else? Feel like you went to school for how many years and only have debt to show for it? Ready to just run away to some island and call it quits? Come talk to me. We trying to rebuild Black Wall Street. This is for us, by us. perspectives and I'm also going to pull the audio and have the audio available on Patreon, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, Radio Public, ICN.DJ, and perksofwellness.org. So it's a lot of places you can find this audio. Um, Also, just a side note for everybody, I also am the nominations director for the Black Podcast Awards. So if you are in podcasting, please go apply. That's blackpodawards.com. Applications are open until August 1st, so don't miss your opportunity. But if you don't feel like you qualify for this year, then we can always put your name down for 2021. But if you think you could be a judge or if you want to sponsor, please go look at the page and there might be other ways that you can fit in. And then also for women or for people that have daughters and they need some educational stuff or anything like that for menstruation or just how to have the period talk with your daughter, you could visit my site, tinyurl.com slash project, and you can get some stuff for people or get some educational materials. So for our guest today, Mr. Brendan, um, his he has a show on YouTube as well as he's on LinkedIn and Instagram and add any that I did not say, but your show is called Master Talk and you help people with public speaking, correct? That's it. But to be honest, Ashley, I think I should be interviewing you. You're sure working on a lot of projects there. Yes, way too much. <laughs> way too much. I don't I was know like, how you're doing all this with children. <laughs> oh, you got kids too? No, wow. I know. I'm saying. Oh, okay. I was like, wow. <laughs> Jeez. Right. That's the feeling. But yeah, so um, tell me about what, like, how would you describe what you do? Yeah, for sure. So like, so like you mentioned, I make YouTube videos on public speaking. I think one a day that kind of sums up my life is help people who are less fortunate than me achieve more than me. Okay. And so, so master talk is my way of doing that. It's the thing that I like to do best. And what I'm, I guess, have expertise in, which is sharing communication videos with the world. Cause what I found was a lot of people who struggle with public speaking, who struggle with communication, they don't have access to the tools and resources for free on how to master this important skill. Because a lot of the information available right now, it's pretty terrible, to be honest. So I thought I would make a change and create these uh, resources. 
Okay, so what have you seen that's really available outside of like what you do, like books, like what, <laughs> like what do people usually use to to learn how to be a better public speaker? Well, what did you use, I guess, to become better? Yeah, so I'm a bit off in the sense of I actually didn't use any resources. So I used to do these things in university called case competitions. So think of case competitions like professional sports, but for nerds. So let's say you want to get into the NBA or a sports league. You go to a D1 school, like a Duke or something. You practice really hard. The coach yells at you, and hopefully you get drafted to the NBA or something. Right. In Nerdland, so where I'm from, <laughs> instead of basketball practice or football practice or soccer practice in the morning, it was let's present three times a week. So just to give you an idea how crazy this world is, there's people okay, who fly out from Thailand and many parts like the University of Florida, they fly to Montreal and where I'm from in Canada. They spend $10,000 to like, $10, yeah, yeah, to play. their school funds, everything though. Oh, 10K, okay. Then <laughs> flights, accommodations, food, every, like it, it probably runs on like 20, 25 K just to present slides. So- <laughs> Just to present slides. This is a real thing. Is this like, um, what's that? What's that movie? Was it Freedom Freedom Fighter? No. It was like this movie where they like went around and they competed in debates. Like, is it kind of like that? Like, where you debate or are you literally just doing like, like, do you, is there a counter argument for what you're doing? You're, you're on the right track. So it's sort of like that. So, so let's say we're on a team together and a business like McDonald's comes up to us and says, you know, Ashley, Brandon, you know, the struggle that I have right now is a lot of people are all voo-voo, like I want to eat salads now. I don't want a burger, right? especially right. in California, right? They want to eat like, uh, you know, the salad of a salad, right? So, so the issue is how do you get them back into McD's? How do you get them to buy these burgers? So that's an example of a business problem. So what we do is we spend three hours. Once again, this is a real thing. We spend three hours reading a 20-page document outlining all of the problem, yelling at each other to figure out a solution. One of us starts making slides while the other one is practicing the slides and structuring the problem, the solution, the timeline, the financials, and everything. And once the three hours are up, you present it back to them. That's dope. That's really dope. Like, I mean, I know you're saying you're from Nerdland and everything, but it's like, I want somebody from Nerdland working for me then because yeah. <laughs> like, you you guys go and you find the, like that three hours time. That's that's really good. And also, I think like when it's a good background to have for because a lot of people, they oh, I motivational or I do motivational interview and I do uh, motivational speeches and I'm a public speaker and all these things. And then you ask them how they got started or what their background is. And it's just from doing it, which not to knock it, but it's just like, how how can I trust you to teach me where my flaws are and what I need to fix if you just started like you didn't have a mentor, you didn't have a coach, you didn't you just started doing it. So for you to say that you have that kind of background and it's like such a niche and um, practical at the same time background in it. Hey, I would rather be learning from you than from somebody that just happens to because it's usually people start making a lot of money. So whatever it is, say they work in finance or something, and then they, they get called out to speak on how they got good at financing. So now they're a public speaker. And so now I'm asking them to help me do public speaking. And that's their only experience. They're already millionaire. They already have money. They're just going to pay more to just tell people how, you know what I mean? Whereas you learned how to specifically do that thing. So, yeah. 
Good job. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate, you know, your support means the world to me, Ashley. You know? <laughs> but no. anyways, the point is, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go say what you can say. No, I was just kidding. All right. You're the boss, not me. But anyways, the point is simple, right? The reason why all of this do, like, why do we participate in these things in the first place? The reason, back to the finance guy that I think is a good analogy here, a lot of the top jobs at a business school go to the people who don't necessarily have the best grades, but the most involvement. So let's say, for example, you're at a competition. It's your first year in university, second year. Usually the judges who are judging you in your presentation are vice presidents of companies, are managers of companies. So they're very high up. Sometimes even the CEO shows up, depends on the competition. Like international ones, they do. So if they like you, there's no interview. They just give you the job. That's true. Right? They just they go, well, well, Ashley's presenting better than my vice presidents in my company. She's like 20, right, at the time, right? When I was, when I was, when I was like 20, right? So you're just like, yeah, you just come work for me. I'll pay you double, whatever. You know, so that's how it works. So a lot of the most coveted jobs in business school go to people who compete. That's why I initially competed. And that's why everyone else does. It was really to get out of poverty. Came from a really poor family. I wanted to make money. Simple, nothing exciting. But I fell in love with case competitions. I just got obsessed. Mm-hmm. I was coaching people on public students since I was 19. So you, you picture really me at 19. I was yelling at people. Post, and I started Master Talk <laughs> when I was 20. It's like the one that's about to take your job. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's one way of looking at it. Uh-huh. Like, you better sit down. That's good, though, because um, I think another thing that people don't know is like, like I was telling somebody, it's like, when you compete in something and the world is a competition, when you compete in something, there's like two types of people. There are the people that are naturally talented at it. And then there's the people that work really hard at it. And it's, if I'm just naturally talented, but then I start dicking around, excuse my French, but if I start dicking around and I'm just like, excuse my, I speak French. That's French. <laughs> excuse my American. <laughs> if I start just messing around, I'm just like, Oh, cause I already know how to do this. I'm going to just automatically win. But then the person that works harder, they're going to end up beating me. So it's like, you can't just be naturally talented at something. You still have to put your work at it. And so like, but that's how people move forward in life. Well, I, I have a family that has this type of thing in their background and we already have money and wooty wooty woo. So I'm going to already make it. And then somebody that's 19 comes and says, (laughs) nope, it's mine. (laughs) And that happens a lot though. It happens to other people. (laughs) Like like just to build, because I just love that you mentioned the French thing, because it's a great tie into my story as to why I'm so passionate about public speaking. So when I was five years old, my parents came up to me and they said, Brendan, you actually have to go to a French curriculum. You have to go to a French school. So why is it? That makes no sense. Montreal is one of the few cities in, Mont- in North America. So Montreal is in Canada, for those who don't know. It's like a couple of hours from New York. And if you want to succeed in that world, in that city, you need to know French and English because French is an official language. Mm-hmm. Except one problem. I didn't know a word of French. So for my whole life, not only was I uncomfortable with presentations, I had to give presentations in a language I didn't even know. So when I was in grade two or three or four, I would walk up and go, uh, bonjour, which is French for hi. And then I would just start panicking and run away. So that's why I'm passionate about this stuff. I was like, if I could do it, everyone else can too. Right. That's really good. I guess that's a good segue then since you know, so now that I know that you know, well, I kind of read it a little bit, but you know, multiple languages, right? And you've had to present, I'm guessing you've also been around the world with this, correct? 
So you know of a lot of different type of orators, not just the English speakers, but you know other ones, right? So what are your top, who are your top three orators? For sure. So, so for, and, and one thing I want to point out with, with public speakers is obviously the one thing in common is that they have nothing in common, right? In the sense of it's, it's very subjective. Like you could be a fan of Lisa Nichols. I could be a fan of Gary Vee. But one thing I want to point out is what makes a great public speaker amazing is not by the way that they speak, but rather the outcomes that they achieve. Mm-hmm. The end of the day, if you, if your outcome is X, like I want to raise X amount of dollars for my charity, you achieve that. That makes you a great speaker because you got the job done. Right. That's kind of how I want you to frame this. So the top three people for me is one, Scott Harrison. So Scott Harrison is the founder of Charity Water. It's this nonprofit based in New York that helps people get access to clean drinking water. And he's really smart in the way that he presents. He's one of the few nonprofit founders in America and in North America that actually spends a hundred times a year to present keynotes. Not many people do that. So it's really smart how he kind of ties in storytelling. He's not the best speaker out there, but I think there's a lot to learn. And I personally apply a lot of the way that he speaks in my own presentation style. Second one that comes to mind is Esther Perel. So Esther Perel is a, is a dating coach. Well, not a dating coach. She's a couples therapist. Okay. And she's really smart in the way that she communicates how relationships have evolved over the years. So if you think about one of her famous taglines in her keynotes is, if you didn't love your partner 150 years ago, it didn't matter because you were going to die in 10 years anyways. Because <laughs> life expectancy was like 25, 30 years. But now the idea of marriage has changed from this thing that lasts for 10, 15, because forever before it meant 10, 15 years. Right. People wouldn't live a long time. Whereas now, since life expectancy is very high, forever means actually forever. So those kinds of things, it's the way that Esther communicates the information. She's very captivating. So you just want to listen to her all day. And I'm a dude. That's coming from a guy. And I've listened to her all day. Yeah, I'm, a dude. What. Yeah, I'm a dude. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm 24, right? Just to be transparent with people. And I think that's use, useful to, to pursue your dreams, right? We can have a whole discussion about that. In this but as the number one speaker, my favorite one is Seth Godin. Okay. So Seth Godin is a marketing expert. And what I love about the guy is just the way that he communicates. He's, he, he's well known for having 400 slides in a 60-minute presentation, never looks at any of the slides. And he's just clicking through them and it's all perfectly aligned. And you're just sitting there like, how is this all like in sync? <laughs> so he's, he's a master, I would say. So those three that come to mind. I really like that each one was in a very different category. That's good to have diversity in your study because that's, that's how you study. Do you consider them to be mentors? Uh, yeah, definitely. So I think Seth Godin actually explained this really well. I think there's a big difference between a mentor and a hero. So a mentor is someone that you actually know. So like my business coach, somebody who's helped me with my speaking, somebody I actually knows a mentor. A hero is someone I probably won't meet in my life, but I always think about what would I do if I was in their shoes, right? So for me, Scott Harrison is a big mentor slash, you know, hero of mine. Seth Godin is more of a hero, Esther as well, but they're, they're definitely people that I look up to. And, and building on your point that I really liked is drawing from other people in other industries. Like just to give people an idea of how crazy I am, just today I made a video on YouTube, like a script about the three lessons I learned from magic that apply to any presentations. Right? Like how does that make any sense? I'm not a magician. Right. But I'm learning from magicians. I'm saying, oh, this applies in a presentation. Let's speak on that. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's weird that you say hero. I think I would have said an idol over a hero. That works too. 
Yeah, I, I like that though. Um, and so you started presenting when you say you started to present in as a youth, but like what age do you really remember like it clicking that this is what I want to do and this is what I'm gonna make my living off of? Oh, very recently actually. It wasn't too long ago. I would say two years ago. So I was so so what happened was I started university at nineteen. And then after I joined the pro, the case competition program, the Nerdland program, when I was 20, but already I was speaking quite a bit in like presentations in classrooms. But then when I started competing, I got addicted. I just loved it. And then I became a mentor at 21. And then I was coaching the new people. So let's say you entered the program the following year. Then I would be your coach for public speaking. And I would be railing you to do this, 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 this. And then what happened when I was 22 and I graduated, excuse me, I started working in corporate and then I also had the idea for Master at the same time. So I never had any idea. Like if you had told me two years ago what my dream was or my goals, it had nothing to do with YouTube. I was like, why the hell would I ever be on YouTube? I'm a corporate guy. I'm going to be a senior executive at a company, which was my goal. I wanted to be a senior level executive at like a, a big tech company. And that was it. I wasn't going to do anything exciting with my life. But I was called to do something else. So I changed my mind. That's good. <laughs> you didn't change your mind. Life was like, no. <laughs> yeah, like, mm, like, no, no. <laughs> okay so um 22 that's that's pretty yeah so 24 right now you're not even like some people say especially for a male they'll say that men don't really mature and like fully get there until like 25 but it's yeah. cool you're like already thinking to me at like a very high level you're, you seem emotionally intelligent and mature and by 24 you're like already in that life path but like you said, when you were referencing relationships and life expectancy, it's like we were living at that like 40, 50, if you was lucky. And now they're saying there's people that are walking on the earth right now that will live to be 130. Exactly. So just thinking in that way. So you might retire early, right? What do you think would be the next thing for you? Or do you think you'll try to find a way to have this be your forever that's that's a great question and and i and i love that how you phrase that so i'd say there's two parts one any man who tells you that they need to be 25 to be emotionally stable is just that an immature man right that's just my take is i think the idea is that's why age is just a number at the end of the day like i see 80 year olds you know starting companies like it doesn't really matter yeah. i think it's more about understanding who the real enemy is so a lot of people like if i asked you know not you because you seem emotionally stable but somebody else like who's your enemy right let's say julia i don't know and julia would say something like oh you know my boyfriend sucks or she mis he mistreats me all the time oh that guy who cut me off in traffic or my mom was always yelling at me mm -hmm. i always i always laugh when i hear these things because i'm like you don't understand who the real enemy is it's time time is the thing you can't beat you can throw money, resources, you can yell at it, you can try run it over like a bus, and time will always win in the end, right? So once you acknowledge who the real enemy is, then you can start to make better decisions for yourself. I just got that lesson when I was 18. I was listening to a bunch of podcasts, and I was like, why am I mad at this person or that person? Let me just focus on finding out what I'm supposed to do here mm -hmm. and not waste any time. So I, I got all that emotional intelligence training in my early 20s so I can actually do some real stuff with my life. Yeah, that's good. Glad you got it early. Some of us be catching up. Uh, some of us I, never get there. Yeah, that is very true. I, I do mental health therapy, so I can tell you for a fact that a lot of people never get there. <laughs> but um, you said something. What did you say? You said 
oh, for, so for me, I think what made it click for me, that time factor, was I was actually listening to a real estate podcast. And one of the men, he was actually a young man, very successful too. And he said something like, I've been trying to do stuff. I've been working on my projects, but I would never really put it, put it out there. I would never fully like dive in because of fear or whatever. And then he said, one day it just clicked with me that it's better done than perfect. And like, I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) I didn't even know I needed to hear that. Like I was like, okay. Yeah. All these things I've been sitting on. I think I stayed up to like five in the morning that I basically didn't sleep. I stayed up all night, like working on things. I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, why am I sitting? What am I waiting for? And it's that time things like what is perfect and when are you going to get to perfect? When is it ever going to be enough money? When is it going to ever be the right time to do these things? Like you just sometimes have to do it, get it done. So, yeah. I love that. Like one, one strategy I have for folks, I know fear is a big thing. Look at me as an example, right? I started master when I was 22, public speaking coach. What the hell am I supposed to be doing teaching people communication? I don't have a PhD. I barely even have a bachelor's. It's not even related to communication. It's related to business. So why am I coaching CEOs of companies? How does this make sense in a logical world? So one side of the coin is Brendan's un- unqualified. Brendan shouldn't be doing this. This isn't, this isn't right. But the other side of the coin that's more interesting for us is who suffers from our inability to take action. So if we decide every day when we wake up that we're not going to do anything with our lives, who pays the price for that decision? And when I... Yeah, us, sure. But that's, that's cute, right? You know, oh, comp- compete against yourself. That doesn't really help you because humans don't like aren't motivated or else we'd all be healthy, right? <laughs> so I think it's more about the other person. So for me, when I really thought about why I was starting Master Talk, I internalized a 16-year-old girl named Julia. So let me explain. So Julia's 16, right? She goes to high school, super smart girl, going to do really big things in life. But there's one thing. She's scared of public speaking. Right, And she has a presentation tomorrow. She wants to raise a bit of money for a favorite animal charity, like a shelter. She's scared. She's like, "Ah, I don't want to know this thing. So what does she know? She knows YouTube because she watches all of her favorite stars on YouTube. So what does she do? She types public speaking tips on YouTube. And what does she find? She finds a bunch of old white dudes who don't know anything about public speaking. So what does she believe? She believes that gross, I can never be a speaker, So I'm going to spend the rest of my life reinforcing that belief Mm -hmm. unless I did something about it. And Julia is just one person. Julia represents the millions of people in the world that are currently alive that want to make a difference in the world, but don't know I exist. And for also the millions of people that will live after I die. So every day, that I choose not to work on Master Talk, that I choose not to care, that I choose not to come on a podcast, I am basically saying that I don't give a shit about Julia and the millions of others who need me because there's nobody else who's 22 who has this level of expertise on public speaking on the planet. So I need to do it. So that's a lot more motivating than focusing on yourself, I find. Altruism, yeah. Um, I think that is... That is very important to say that you need to have something that drives you. Um, but there are, I mean, there's a lot of people that they just can't even get over themselves first. It's like, you got to get over yourself first to care about other people. So <laughs> you like do the self work, like as far as like, especially right now, 
we're in this delicate phase. Like, I mean, look, we're doing this over Zoom, not just because Zoom has always been there to help us do this, but because we don't really have any other choice right now. <laughs> but it's like a lot of people are stuck at home and they're stuck in their head. And it's really important to do that self-work to see like, because a lot of us have been complaining. Oh, I don't have time. I don't have time to do these things. Like, I wish I just had more time to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, now you're at home. Now you have the time, you have the resources. What's really the excuse? And it's like, oh, I haven't pulled out of myself to to start working on whatever it is to start caring about Juliet. To have mm-hmm. that um that sonder outlook on other people. So I I definitely agree with you, but I think it's like it is two parts of that mental health side. Like to be altruistic, you have to care. You have to hear about other people. <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> so, so let me build on this because I like where this discussion is going. I like the counter here. So one thing we, we can bridge both of our perspectives is what habit should people take to take care of themselves first? That's a good way of continuing this conversation. Okay. And I think the, the one habit people need right now, like if you care about yourself, you want to focus on yourself, you're only, you're sad, you're depressed, focus on this one habit, not exercise. I don't give a shit about that. Asking yourself the hard questions about life mm-hmm. i'll give you an example every person i've talked and it boggles my mind i asked them this question if you had all the money in the world okay you didn't have any money problems you have all the money you need how would you spend your time i was shocked not even 70 percent, 50 percent, 100 percent of the people i ask this question to they always respond like this travel and then i look at them and i go so let me get this straight you're going to travel for 40 years and die and they go well, no. Then I say, exactly. So then what do you do? Do you travel for five years, seven years, two years? Then what do you do with your day? What time do you wake up? Is there a dog in the house? Are you with a partner? Are you with <laughs> multiple partners? People, it, like, it, doesn't, it, it drives me crazy. Forget like 10 hours or 10 years or 10 months. People haven't even spent 10 minutes of their whole lives just pondering this very question. So that's where I think the starting point is. Because once you start to develop a belief system, like what do you actually believe in? What is actually true to you, regardless of what other people think about what you're doing or what you're saying or how you're being, then you could start to do things that work for you and for other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you got to organize some stuff. Plan it out. Think about it. A lot of people, they just get stuck. Like, I'm going to just work this nine to five. And then when I retire, then I'm going to do all these things. It's like, well, why not start working through these things now? There's still a way to do everything you want to do. So I agree. I agree. Like, I, I like breaking the notes. I'm always different from most guests. What does normal actually mean? This is what normal gets you. Okay. So just so everyone who's listening is on the same page, you're going to be obese. You're going to eat unhealthy foods. You're probably going to get divorced statistically. You're mm-hmm. going to be unhappy. You're not going to, you're not going to be fulfilled. You're going to have no direction. You're going to have a white picket fence, a mortgage you can't pay off with two and a half kids, a partner that's heterosexual, right? Even if you might have different sexual orientations and you're saving up for retirement, that's going to be short lived because you'll probably die five years after you get your retirement money. Is that a life you actually want to live? That is the question people need to fundamentally ask themselves. There's probably things in what I listed that you might want. Maybe kids is something people want. That's Mm -hmm. okay. But you need to question all of these elements. And when you start doing that, then you can start to build a life that works for you and for other people. Right. 
because norm is just what somebody else sets basically like society but who's the society because we all in a way fit into a different society like some of the stuff that you listed me being a black female those don't apply to me like <laughs> just like um like some black people don't even save anything at all let alone save for retirement some never retire so it's just like there are different norms that we don't even fall into but it is important for us to create our own norms and to create what we think to create your own family your own society like there's a niche for all of us to fit into but like you said you have to take that you have to have those uncomfortable moments a lot of people avoid the uncomfortable moments but you won't really unlock that that what you were talking about creating your own future you won't unlock it unless you have those uncomfortable moments so i agree with that i like that (laughs) i I like what you you do sir (laughs) um okay so speaking of like just what's happening in the world because i kind of mentioned like black you know black lives matter is a big uh movement right now it's pushing off we also have the pandemic covid that is affecting everybody um how does all of this affect what you do as just how you identify as a person and also your your role in other people's work and lives. And like you said, your speaking engagements have kind of been put to the side and everything. So how has this affected you? Yeah, for sure. And, and I think one way of looking at this is that kind of summarized my thought process is perspective frees us from the chains of constant complaining. So if we have true perspective on what's actually happening in the world, then we can start to think more clearly. Sure, we can get angry about a lot of things, and I'm not trying to downplay any of those things. But if we get stuck in hatred, all that's going to happen is we're just going to divide. And if we divide, we're never going to come to any conclusion that's tangible or actually helpful for the human race. So let's start our thinking by saying the following. 1% of all households in the world have a working kitchen. Okay, that's just a real stat. Most of us... Most people live in the world, don't have the kitchens that we have, that both, both of us have. This is the reality. Most people just live on $2 a day and we just don't know that. So once we acknowledge that, we say, okay, we have problems. These movements, these pandemics, not the movements, but you know, the, what's caused, what caused the movement, mm-hmm. right? The pandemic, all these things are happening. They're bad. But is it the end of the world? No. So this is the thing. Most people, and there's a lot of things that b- happened that I didn't like. You know, I lost all my revenue and all that stuff is fine. But the point I want to drive is I want more people to be solution-oriented and not problem-oriented. It's easy. It's easy to say and yell and scream and complain and talk about problems. It's much harder and much more productive to say this is a solution. I could yell all day about public speaking and how there needs to be a change. I could say, oh, you know, all these speaking coaches suck. You know, they don't share any information. I will to learn public speaking. This is terrible. Or... I could do something about it. Here's some videos. Here's something I'm trying to do. Be a part of the solution. Whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's the pandemic, or more importantly, something that you're actually uniquely talented in that you think you can contribute to the world, focus on that thing and be a part of the solution. Everyone just thought this way. We wouldn't have any of these problems. Okay. So to counter, what about for the people that don't even acknowledge that there's a problem? Like- Right. That, to me, that's part of like some of the movements is just saying like, hey, can you guys just acknowledge that this is an issue? And but yeah, I definitely think there needs to be layers like there should be a part to where it's like, yes, we're identifying the problem, 
And then we're having our action steps towards creating a solution or to even just moving towards the solution. Mm -hmm. But if we're still stuck at, it's not even a problem, then how do you move to the solution? I, I absolutely love your counterpoints and I completely agree with everything you just said. So I think the layer I want to add here is that I think this is much more difficult for people to grasp in the sense of, okay, not a part of the problem. It doesn't seem solvable. I want to give up, right? So that's what most people do, right? That's just obvious. So I think the better approach of thinking about it is saying, what can I do today that I think will tangibly improve the way that everyone else lives? So step one is simple. You just be a better human being. But that's easy because I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast and taking time to listen to this is probably someone who already has those values. So let's move on to step two. What's step two? Step two is not making this big blunder and like a blunder, I mean, and changing the world on stuff. No, it's focusing on the winners. What does that mean? My belief system is simple. I know everyone's not going to watch my YouTube videos. I know I can't convince everyone to do it. It's just not going to happen. So instead, what I'm going to say is if I can help the 10,000 people in the world that are alive right now, that are meant to do big things in life. If I just help those 10,000 people, humanity will advance. So the way that I look at it is I needed to get on YouTube for those 10,000 people. So if you're someone who's listening to this show right now, I want you to think about the smartest five people in your network and spend more time with them. And if you can't come up with anybody, you need to go find and seek them out. Mm-hmm. And fo- so basically, this is what I call focus on the winners. Never Your work is not convincing your mother, your sister, your brother to change. They're not going to change. Your work is to find someone else who wants to change and make them exceptional. So another way of summarizing this, don't take average people and make them good. Because if you do that, you're going to get exhausted, frustrated, and you're going to give up. Instead, take great people and make them world class. Right. Yep. Uh, I like what you're saying. And I, I guess I say the same type things, but in different ways and in different groups to different people. <laughs> so it's a little bit more niche to who I but say. But the world needs both of us. So there you go. It yeah. is. Because it's just like, for me, I feel like, like you, like, I'm not going to keep banging down people's doors that don't want to let me in to begin with. I'm going to instead create my own house and build my own door and have somebody that I trust to open the door for me or I already got the key to get in because I didn't build the house. I like so. that. <laughs> I like that. That's good. I got to steal that one. That's good. I got the key. I was like, I Copyrighted, so go ahead. But um, yeah, so I think just to end on that note, um, you okay? So just to reiterate, you have your YouTube channel called Master Talk, and that's where you reach out to your ten thousand that you're making into these world class people, and you also do speaking engagements. Right now, you're doing Zooms and podcasting. Is there anything else that you have coming up? that you're working on like a book or something like that, that people should be aware of? Not really. I think what I would say for everyone, because I was like closing off on this note, I have this adage that I go by, which is be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, go do that. But if you're someone who's listening to the show right now and soaking in this knowledge that I hope is useful to you in your journey, then I would challenge you to think about how to be different, how to be a bit more crazy. Because everyone who has done something significant with their lives are all crazy one way or another, right? Whether it's Elon, Steve Jobs, you know, everybody, you know, you know, Barack Obama, just really bad, right? We're all crazy in some way. So one exercise I have for you 
is communicate the weird things that you do on a daily basis that are not illegal to everyone around you. And I'll set the example. I'll do it right now because I always like to. I love Justin Bieber. I don't care what people say. I love his music, right? Something with Start. (laughs) Same thing with Taylor Swift. I love this, right? I dance alone in my basement an hour a day. I speak three languages. I karaoke in eight. This is just things that I do. They're weird, right? But notice the confidence in which I'm communicating it, right? I'm a 24-year-old kid who coaches CEOs at companies, right? So the point that I'm driving here is not that I'm some special person or anything, but rather I made the decision to be insane. And the truth is, we're all weird. We just choose to hide it. We choose not to talk about it. And because of that, we choose to fit in. And by fitting in, we become normal. And by being normal, we achieve nothing. So what you need to do is you need to be different. You need to communicate that weirdness so you can figure out who actually likes you. That's another thing. And the second thing is once you find out who likes you, then you can team up with that local community and make change happen. And if you need help with that, message me on Instagram. I'm not famous like Ashley. I'm at Master Your Talk. Just message me. I answer all my DMs. So don't be shy to reach out. And thanks for having me. No problem. And um, I like that. I think I'm, I'm curious as to what, you know, it's so funny. Uh, one, I go by Perky, and I think that's already weird enough because, like, I have to introduce myself as Perky sometimes to, I still, I guess I'm like, I'm 28, but I still consider myself not fully an adult. So I'll be like, oh, when I talk to adults, like, <laughs> when, I, when I talk to other adults and I'm like, hi, I'm Perky, they'd be like, it's like, that's already weird enough. Like, some people's minds and where that goes, it's like, nope, that's not why. <laughs> but but that's, that's curious. I'm going to think about what makes me weird. Um Cause I really don't care, I guess. Like it doesn't feel weird. So it feels like my norm. So I think that's really good that you tell people to identify that. Right. I don't listen to Justin Bieber though. So you definitely. That's cool. That. <laughs> like, I mean, and that's cool. Right. Like just going back to your point, like the people will call you weird for call. Cause uh, cause that's something I just missed. I thought I, I just kept calling you Ashley. So I should have called you. Perky, right. but yeah, that is that is simple. Right. If people think you're weird for calling yourself perky, they're not for you. Right. Right, you're just like, thanks, bye. Okay, go to, there's like hundred other people there that are waiting to talk to you. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, okay. So thanks again, Brendan, for speaking to me. Actually, we'll definitely want to reach out to you more as I journey through my, my baby Angela Davis activism journey and I have to speak to more and more people. I will definitely want to reach out and get more tips. I actually like the video that you shared with me. I watched it. And I like your speaking points on like posture and different things like that. That already was enough for me because I, I don't even know how I sit. Like, I'll just be like, you good. Don't worry. You good. <laughs> so that's already enough right there. Oh, I did have. Okay. To close. Cause I like what you said, but to, one more thing to close for people that want to start off in their public speaking journey and they may be shy or they have a stutter and issue or whatever. Right. What would be like the first thing that you would tell them to start focusing on? Like the very first thing to practice. First thing is to ask yourself why you want to master communication. This is what I call the public speaking why. So think of it like this. Whenever we try and do something new, we never do it. We never get it done. Why? Because the incentive isn't high enough. Okay. If I'm trying to feed my family, right, and they're going to go hungry, I'm going to find a job. I don't care if it's at a restaurant. I'll figure it out because the incentive is high enough. You need to create that, not the same incentive, but a lucrative incentive for you to work on communication. So I'll give you an example. If you're interested in getting the next promotion at work, 
You're probably not going to master communication. You'll be good. You'll never be great. You'll never be amazing. But if you have a specific reason, a cause you care about, a charity, a group of kids that you're mentoring, and you're trying to solve a problem for them, you're trying to make a dent in the world with them and through them, now you're more incentivized. So another example, a quick one. Let's say you're an academic researcher and you found this new discovery, but you're really shy and introverted. You're going to say, well, I need a master communication or else the public won't hear this. And I'm the classic example of this. Jesus, actually, I mean, master talk, but I don't know how to speak well. Who the hell should listen to me? Right? If I'm a terrible speaker, why would you listen to me? So it's the same thing. Find that public speaking why. Get really clear on it, and then you can start the journey. Yeah, and that would be a good thing to practice to start anyways. Once you found your why, practice how you're going to communicate that to others. Because that's really, that's like your elevator pitch. Like, when people ask me about my podcast, I can't be like, because oh, I just like talking. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And one question I forgot to mention to help you think about this is how would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? How would the world or, be or not? If you were, okay. if you were an exceptional communicator. And I don't want you to just say, oh, the world would be a better place. No, get more specific. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I wrote that exercise for myself, Julia went from somebody who didn't think they were a good speaker to saying, I have hope now. Mm-hmm. I can do something more important. I can go raise the hundred bucks for charity. Screw, I'm going to go raise a thousand dollars. That's the transformation that is being happened because I made the decision to be a good speaker or a great speaker, however you want to play it. So for you, it could be someone else. It could be a recovering drug addict. It could be uh, a, a young woman who's depressed for X number of reasons. It could be a relationship therapy. It doesn't really matter what it is. The only thing that matters is that it matters to you. Mm-hmm. And then from there, then you can start to build that incentive. Yes. And for everybody else that's listening, I would like you to apply that to whatever it is that is your niche. Because like for me personally, I do mental health. I'm a mental health clinician. So if I don't have my mental health together, how am I supposed to help somebody else to get their mental health together? Like it could be translated in that way. So I would definitely say you can take Brendan's words and apply it to whatever your niche is. And like he said earlier, when he mentioned his three favorite orators, it doesn't have to be somebody that's specifically in your field for them to be a hero or for them to become a mentor if you actually have access to them. And also the importance of having heroes and mentors because you need somebody to pull inspiration from, to pull techniques from, anything like that. You need some outside help. So I would definitely say, you know, check out his YouTube channel, which I'll put the link into the show notes. Check out his Instagram as well, because I'm sure you put some little different tips on there sometimes too. And just continue to listen and to grow and to be a better person. And thank you again for joining me. I want to try to say your last name again, but I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> Can you say it? It's a Kumar Sami. I didn't say it that good the first time. Why you shook your head yeah, when I said it? Be obsessive about your audience. Just go with it, you know? <laughs> right, that's true. But, um, okay, so thank you again for joining me. And I look forward to all your other projects. And thank you for being on Perspectives. And for everybody else, please find this podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Radio Public, and more. (laughs) And have a good day and stay safe. My pleasure. Take care, everyone.